Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Today, you get to hear from Amy and Melissa Siegel of Together Siegel. And I can't wait to get into this story with these twin sisters from Austin. Amy, why don't you get us started here and tell us a little bit about Together Siegel? Sure. Yes. So first off, you know, Together Siegel is a very personal and relevant business idea that we had. Uh, Together Siegel uh, is a clothing label for petite women, mm-hmm. uh, five four and under. And both Melissa and I are five. I'm five one. She's five two. A uh, five foot. <laughs> yes. And I'm- and uh, and so it's very relevant, right? And yeah. um, we focus on timeless and uh, versatile styles in natural woven fabrics to last for years, uh, for years to come, and to help our customers create. A capsule wardrobe. Yeah, we like to think of our designs as investment pieces, mm. good staples, functional but comfortable that you can just continue to wear over and over. And uh, so we've been trying to build out a capsule wardrobe for a while, and we felt like there was a gap in the market in doing so for our petite frame. And we do like to say that petite doesn't mean tiny. We yeah. have sizes that go from extra, extra small through extra large. And so we do have, you know, grading is a very important thing with our business and making sure we have the right sizes for all women under 5'4". I'm sure that's been a challenge for uh, petite women that for so many years, it probably has meant tiny and maybe they haven't <laughs> gone past a certain number, mm-hmm, um, right. a size. And so being able to bring uh, more people into that space and to be able to have access to beautifully made clothing too, not just clothing period, but things that are so beautifully made. And by the way, for those of you who will have access to uh, YouTube, our YouTube channel, when we launch this, you will be able to see some of the beauty that I can see behind (laughs) Melissa and Amy right now. Look at that. And I love the color palette. It's all very neutral, right? Yes. We We focus on neutrals. We love a neutral and it helps with longevity of a staple that you can have in your wardrobe for a long time. So absolutely just style differently. We do have a lot of black too. Oh yeah. We kind of actually had a black and white collection this past year, but we constantly bring in our, our neutrals that are staples as well. Sure. Well, black and whites are always staples, (laughs) right? Everybody's got to have black and white as well. Did either one of you guys have a a background in fashion? Melissa, maybe you can take this. No, we did not. We both did not have backgrounds in fashion and we actually both had business backgrounds which really helped us create our business. Amy was in finance and accounting and I was in sales and marketing. Oh, wow. Yes. So we- Great marriage. Right, a great marriage. Thank goodness, because I'm not a numbers person. (laughs) And it's really helped us with, with creating this brand and being able to have a business. But we were huge fashion consumers. And that's what also brought up this idea for us being fashion consumers and not being able to find what we were looking for helped us quickly to decide this is what we want to do. And it made it easy, even if we didn't have the background, we weren't afraid of what we didn't know. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Well, and as a consumer, you also knew what was missing, right? You knew very specifically what was needed in the marketplace. And I have to say with petite and forgive the ignorance, you're not just taking a a general pair of pants and making it smaller, right? It's also a proportion thing that you have to manage. Is that correct? It is. And that's where the grading comes into play. Mm -hmm. So when you design a new uh, dress or a pant for a normal brand, you may grade longer in length, but for a petite brand, you want to 
bring go shorter, right? right? So maybe a half inch instead of a full inch between each grade. So all size. of that data is from mm-hmm. your own experience? You didn't really have to dig deep with a designer or how did that all come to be? Well, no, we definitely dug deep and I think it helped. We basically got crash courses within our first year of launching back in 2019. It was a combination of us learning from our first production house here in Austin about grading as well as our own research at looking at other brands who offer petite clothing within their brand, like bigger companies. Um, And so we were doing our own research, gathering information, talking to our petite friends who were interested in and what we were doing and and yeah. having that conversation very early on. It was a combination of us doing research and also having production houses from the very beginning help us with a, this crash course in fashion, if you will, and yeah. doing a production run and what that means from development to production to grading to sewing to, sewing, to sampling. It, it, it was an unbelievable experience that... <laughs> To be in the real world, learning it as you go, you sure. get so much out of it. And we were very grateful, very, very grateful. So you guys come from your respective careers. And what was this about? Was this about the frustration with not being able to find well-made petite clothing? Was it about we want to do a venture together? Was it about a sort of a creative exercise or we really want to be entrepreneurs? What sort of led this iteration of the two of you and and what is now Together Siegel? Yeah, well, we, you know, we've wanted to go into business. We've always wanted to go into business together from early on in our careers. And the timing really didn't line up. We actually did a business plan for a coffee shop back in our (laughs) mid-30s. And that was a fun exercise, you know, but it just wasn't the right time. Yeah. Melissa ended up, you know, she had a child and I was in my career doing my thing. And so... But we dabbled with that a little bit. And it comes from our frustration as not being able to find what we were looking for. And then the timing, uh, being 50. I mean, I think when you, each time you turn, when you turn 40, when you turn 50, at least those are the two I can look back on, is it clicks. Something clicks for you where you're just like, okay, what is it that I want to do that I'm not doing? Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think it was the combination of everything that you said, Netta, too, of us wanting to do something together, feeling the frustrations of not being able to find what we were looking for um, that would fit us. Like it was just key staples and simple designs that we were after. (laughs) We would would go into a dressing room. We'd love to go shopping. We'd go into a dressing room. We'd try on a size zero jumpsuit. (laughs) And And we would laugh. We would take a phone. It was following us. Yeah, it was just. So it it was a lot lot of frustrations (laughs) as well. So wanting to work together for yes. some time, hitting a milestone age where you sort of are considering, am I doing what I want to be doing? Mm-hmm. What do I want to do with um, this next season of my life? And then also finding a gap in the market and a need that you could uh, fulfill not only for other people, but you actually had something to offer given your own situation. So it was sort of this um, perfect storm, if you will. Yes. No, it's true. And I think, you know, at first it kind of started out with helping ourselves and then it quickly turned into a business idea to help others as well. Like we knew, you know, we, we can serve and, and have a purpose and we were ready for that in our life and to, to have a creative outlet um, as well made it so much more fun. And we knew we were up for that challenge. (laughs) Really the best businesses are born of those sorts of things, like a gap in the market. So you satisfy your own need and lo and behold, there are lots of people like you who have that same need um, and you're able to find each other. Right. With that being said, we have a very strong relationship with our customers, you know, that authentic and um, understanding each other's needs. And and we've become really good friends with a lot of our customers. So it's been really special. And that's a win in itself when you have repeat customers coming back and just can't believe they found us because we've been going through the same struggles as they have. So we have a lot in common. <laughs> so this business is uh, two years old. I'm doing the math three, here. We, yeah, three we launched in uh, 2019 okay. in May. So it was right before the pandemic. pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And you oh. know, we had, we had a great wow. first year. Yeah, we did. We had a great first year and 
you know, we had a lot of our friends. I mean, when you first start, we didn't have a following. You right. know? And I think that's the number one thing that a fashion coach is going to tell you is, you know, have some sort of following, tell sure. your story, start to talk about it before you actually launch a product. Well, <laughs> we didn't do that. We really believed in our product. And yeah, we wanted to have a good product. Right. And so we've kind of focused on the product. So anyway, we did launch in, in 2019, had a great year. We set up a lot of events. And um, so our online sales is slowly growing. Awesome. Um, and that's what we want is we want it to be direct to consumer. When you launched, it was in Austin, like pop-ups or did you mm -hmm. have a store? It was through pop-ups. Pop-ups. That's yes. amazing. In other stores or did you kind of take you know, short-term rentals of a space or how did those pop-ups work? It was kind of both. Okay. Yeah. We did uh, pop-ups that are organized markets um, where you apply yeah. and or personal markets where we had a, we met somebody who had a, a beautiful storefront and we actually did some wholesale with her that first year. And so we did a pop-up there. So, and then friends. So almost like a person. trunk show yeah. right, for some of right, those. Yeah. Okay. But our goal has always been to stay direct to consumer yeah. online and to continue to grow ourselves online. Cut um, all those middle costs. Right. As much as we can. And with the flexibility in our life right now, too, of not having a place we have to go to every day. Sure. As a storefront. Sure. Um, but it does help cut out the cost <laughs> with that yeah. not happening. Well, also, it probably, I mean, given that so much of your growth or just your time in business happened during COVID, yes. um, it probably was a perfect time to really be pushing that direct to consumer or online sales in general, right? And our sales did increase. Oh, I bet. Because so many of us were at home trying right. to figure out what to do with ourselves. And honestly, you had a product because it's not a trend specific product. People probably felt like I could purchase that now and know that whenever we come out of this pandemic, it's still going to be in style. It's still going to be a, a staple piece to your earlier points. What in the last three years would you say has been kind of the, the hardest part, maybe Amy, take this and then Melissa, I'll come back to you with a, an, another part of this question, but the hardest part of launching a business, like what, what didn't you know that you, or maybe you didn't anticipate being hard that you've been like, holy heck. Oh gosh. Well, I can remember one example actually yeah. uh, that kept us up at night. And I sleep pretty well. And it was a very stressful situation. <laughs> and I, I think that the hardest part for me, you know, I'm back in my accounting business. I had clients. Mm. I was able to work just on my own. I didn't really have yeah. to manage and, you know, I could just get the work done. Um, yeah. But when you're starting a clothing label, you're working with a lot of different partners. And so some of that is out of your control. Sure. And on top of that, we're learning. We're taking the crash course, right, in fashion. Yeah. And so that's all very stressful. But there was a situation where fabric was shipped to a place. We wanted to get it pre-washed. It was very hard to communicate with this person. And we had no idea if we were going to get this fabric back, if it was <laughs> going to be shipped, if, if the process was going to be completed that we requested. I mean, it was the most stressful <laughs> situation. And a lot of money at stake, I'm sure. It, it was a lot of money. Yeah. The fabric is not cheap. Yeah. So I think, I mean, that was really the hardest part was realizing how many other hands are in the pot here. Yes. And sure. it takes, you know, it takes all of us to do it. And that's why it's so important to build relationships with your partners to where you can relieve some of that stress over time. Yeah. I think one of the things that we've learned or hopefully we're learning if we haven't caught on yet is that it's really relationships all the way around. It's relationships on the back end. It's relationships with um, people who work with and for you. It's relationships with the customers. Like so often we think it's just customer facing, but it's really all those relationships that are not just like lovely to have, but they become imperative in terms of really building the business because even this is a village, not just, you know, it raising was. kids, but even this running a business is truly a village and having that team that can understand what your needs are because each of those cogs has their own 
goal. They're trying to get something out of it. And sometimes those are competing goals. So that, that does take a minute when you're working with so many disparate parts to try and figure out how do we get on the same page and often knowing that we're going to be there for each other long-term. Right. And so Melissa, I would ask you on the flip side of that question, like what's been a pleasant surprise in the last three years? Like I didn't anticipate that being an entrepreneur would provide this. Yeah. I think, you know, just really knowing we could jump into something and learn as we go. And I will say to not be afraid, you know, don't Mm. be afraid of what you don't know. Right. And so we were able to just jump in and um, really enjoy the entire process of, of being in a completely new industry um, and, and the collaboration that went along with that, yeah. the community and the outpouring of support was something we just were overwhelmed with. Mm-hmm. We really just did not expect that. Even in Austin and um, when we would travel to different locations of having the support from other brands and women-owned businesses, when, women-owned businesses yeah. doing collaborations early on. It, it was just really nice to see that because we we were kind of naive jumping into it. And I think a lot of people that are born into the fashion industry, they can think, oh, you know, be be careful. You know, there's a competitive aspect. Some people don't want to share the resources. And um, we just didn't feel that. We didn't feel that way at all. And it was a complete surprise. Yeah. But that's how we are. We're just very open people. I was we like to say, share. We like yes. to share. And people will come to us and say, we would love to yeah. talk to you. We're ready to start our business. Are you open to talking to us? And we invite them to our studio and we spend time with them and our resources. It's okay to share. Why yeah. would we not share what we've learned? Absolutely. And I think it's because that's your attitude that you're able to garner that sort of respect and response from people. And I think that's a a key thing. And for our listeners, I I would really want them to make note of that, that when you are in these situations where you hear more and more women saying collaboration over competition, we have to lead with that. We have to offer that. We have to give first so that we can receive that sort of outcome and those sort of relationships. And I also think there's something here that's really interesting. So you guys you're very niche, right? And I just want to talk about that for a second, because I think that's part of your secret sauce. Mm -hmm. Focusing not just on petites, but even the color palette, the fabrics you use, the silhouettes. Somebody from the outside who doesn't know this world might say, are you sure, guys? Are you sure there's enough color here? Are you sure there's enough silhouette here? Are Are you sure? But in actuality, the customer knows exactly where you fit into their life. The customer knows exactly what they're going to get from you. Conversely, the competition, if you will, also does. So they're willing to collaborate with you because you are doing something so specific and so special that they are not. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, okay, let's do something together. You're in your lane. I can be in my lane and we can sort of figure this out. And I, I I want people to understand that because I think so many people think if I'm too niche, if I'm too specific, I'm taking away too much of the pie. I'm not offering enough. But I actually think it's it's a way that we can communicate very clearly to customers and to brands that we want to collaborate with. Is that has that been your experience? Yeah. You know, I think every business owner, whether it's, you know, jewelry or clothing or whatever niche they in, or maybe it's not a niche, but they have their own personal style, their own personal uh, experience to bring to that. And um, so I think collaborations are so beneficial for everyone, but I do feel like we have been, you know, lucky that way. And, And with other brands that are actually working with similar fabrics or has similar uh, values and stuff, yeah. they don't feel that competition. And even if we weren't that niche, I would hope that they wouldn't even feel that competition to be able to still collaborate on something. But it does help to have that niche. You said something just now, Amy, about your values and you mm-hmm. guys have, it's a part of, it's in your website. Mm-hmm. You have these sort of core tenants or pillars, I think you call them, <laughs> that 
are the soul of the company. Melissa, can you talk a little bit about those? Sure, yeah. You know, our pillars came very naturally to us because it really is about everything. All it's it's our values. It's what we want when we were shopping as fashion consumers. We were the ones looking at the garment to find out what the care instructions were. We were asking the questions of where this was made and things like that. And so we also knew the the impact of the environment with the fashion industry, right? And we also had to, you know, really be accountable for coming out with a fashion brand and being responsible. And so it just was so natural for us to create these pillars for our business. We really felt like we want to feel good about the clothes that we wear and that Mm -hmm. we want our customers to feel good. We want our customers to feel good about brands that they support and everything we're doing up throughout our business. And, and that starts with, you know, the, the natural woven fabrics that we love so much, right? We, um, we've always loved linen. We focus on linens, linen blends, natural fibers that feel good on the skin, but make you feel good to wear. Sure. And, you know, and I think the longevity of a neutral palette speaks, speaks to us. It has been in our collection over and over. We don't follow trends. We look at we look at the color palettes of the year, but we we know what we like, we know what we want, we know what works for our brand and we're staying true to our mission. And so the neutral palettes and we love nature and and so it just came naturally to us. Um, and then we also really wanted to keep things local. It was important for us to really serve our community, support our community, invest in our community. And so we started out with production houses here in Austin. Wow. With the pandemic, we have built out a small team. We have two seamstresses and we have one pattern maker all, all, all over 50, 50 that we have created this team. Um, and we built out a beautiful family here mm. in Austin. We are so hands-on and we learn from them every day. We each have our role. That's awesome. We're paying them fairly, right? We, um, It's so important to us. And it's also helped us not make more than what is needed by doing small batch, by having made to order is so important when you're going through a pandemic too. And even when we were doing production runs, we weren't making that many either. I think as you start out, you kind of get a feel for what's going to sell and made to order can help you with that. Sure. We've done a pre-order before. Let's Let's put something out there and see what pre-orders we get. And we have a solution here in Austin with our team that we've built out to make that happen. And let me tell you, it's also re- reduced the stress in our lives. Oh, I bet. I and, absolutely and, bet. And so now through the pandemic, it's we want to continue with that special team we've built out, but still working with production houses in Texas. We're still only focused on companies in Texas. Yeah. And um you know, other things that are important to us within our pillars is we're thinking about even a buyback program where customers that might have a together sequel piece from three and a half years ago from our first collection, if they're if it's in good condition and they want to bring it back to us and we can sell it at a lower price point for other customers and we can give them a credit. Mm. We um, absolutely save our fabric scraps and we've made bandanas and we've made little pouches for jewelry. So we really we put are- those in our online orders. Online orders. Yes. I love and it. So I love we it. Really, we really think about, even from a design standpoint, and we think about our timeless styles, right? So timeless styles that can be worn over and over again. And also to the details of working with the pattern maker, of how we can cut fabric down in this pattern. You know, if these design elements, there's some we want to keep and others that need to go to help with the fabric of not using as much fabric. Those are things we think about. And just overall intentional design to encompass all of our pillars. I don't know if this was all by design. I'm going to give you the um, the benefit of the doubt and say it was, but Mm -hmm. it's amazing to think about the fact that they're staple pieces probably means, and maybe I'm projecting, but I would be willing to wait a few weeks to get a piece, right? This is not a something I need for this season. Right. I don't need it immediately. The, the sort of Amazon-ness is taken out because um, people know they're going to have it for a long time. So they're willing to wait a, bit, a little bit longer, which also lends itself to 
the time frames that you might need if you guys wanted to play around with the idea of more and more pre-orders or um, your pricing, right? If it is a staple and I know that it's being locally made and it's made by a, a women-owned business that's women-run as well, all of a sudden you've built this narrative for me where, yeah, I will spend the money to have a together Siegel piece. Was that all by design? Say yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because yes. it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And, and, and customers feel that way. They yeah. really do. Talking to our customers at events and when we meet people, they're, they're just so happy to support us. Mm-hmm. And, and they see the, the clothing and the quality mm-hmm. and um, to wait is, has not been a problem. So for the pre-orders, yeah. it's a little more stressful on us. I will say sure. that to do a pre-order, but it's worth it. And we continue to think about that as well um, going yeah. forward. But it takes the stress out of inventory. Yes. Yes. Right. It gives you some cause for pause, but it also eliminates some other things that are in the production lineup. You get to sort of check the box and say, we don't have to worry about that. Amy, I'll kind of go back to you a little bit and you're sitting right next to each other. So I know you're going to be really nice in the way you answer, but what do you say, Amy, when somebody comes up to you and says, so I'm thinking of going into business with my family, yay or nay, what do you say to them? And what what is kind of the warning? Because mm-hmm. for some people, it's a brilliant thing. And for others, it can be a really difficult and challenging thing. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think I would say, well, you know, how is your relationship with your family? I would ask that question. You know, how close are you? Have y'all done projects before? Have you been there for each other through the good times and the bad times? And yeah. are your lives aligned right now to where you can put in a commitment an equal commitment. Yeah. So I think that's important. You know, Melissa and I, we have a unique bond. We're twins. You know, we know other sisters that are not twins that are in business together and seem to be doing really well and having fun. Uh, but I really do think it's important to to find out what role you're each going to have, you know, yeah. divide and conquer. And for Melissa and I, it was pretty simple. I was accounting finance. She was sales and marketing. So we divided and conquered that way, but we do the production, the design, and the creative process together. Um, so to really be able to, to define your roles. Mm. Also, when you're starting later in life, you know, you've learned to enjoy your life, hopefully, a little bit better. You've set some boundaries as far as your personal work-life balance. And yeah. to be able to know, like, maybe one of you has kids and the other one dances tango, like I do. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so I'm traveling to tango festivals and she's got a child that she's taking care of. Yeah. We have to make sure that we're both able to put in the time that is needed and, you know, we told ourselves for when we first started this, we committed to seven years. Yes. Give yourself a timeline. A timeline. Give yourself a, brilliant. a goal. And yeah. you don't get out before that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I will also say, speaking of schedules and from a family member perspective, is talk about how much time you're willing and able to give to the business. Right. And also talk about what success looks like to you. Um, it's important to really define those things early on when you're you're thinking about going into business together. And back to the age thing, what is yes. success at this age? Because I think when you're younger, you just assume that it's financial. Right. When you get older, there are other things. There's some legacy stuff in there. There's making a difference. There's those sorts of things that you almost start to have a triple bottom line as to what is really a value to you. So that's really smart. And I love the the seven years. <laughs> as a former business consultant, I cannot tell you how many people were so excited, all on board, ready to partner up. And that was one of the things they didn't, how much time they were putting in on a daily basis and how much time overall even though you can revisit in seven years and, yeah, and rethink right. that. It's really nice to have that goal. But Amy, I cut you off. You were going to say something. I was just going to say that, you know, also I think with siblings or, you know, if you're working with a family member, I mean, hopefully we have each other's back. You let things roll off um, yeah. a little bit better, right? You're not holding yes. on to like, what are they thinking? What's going on? Or are they going to be upset because <laughs> yeah. of that? It's like, no, that doesn't happen with us. Yeah. 
We just let it roll right off. Yes. I've done some work with my brother, who's also an entrepreneur, and it is very much like that. Like, I know what he's thinking. I know what <laughs> what he needs. And, and I think the same. So in some ways, to your point earlier, Amy, I think it depends on the relationship. Um, and, you know, having the same end goal, having the same sort of agenda, if you will, it's really, really important. Thank you guys for answering that, because that's always a little bit tricky for people. A lot of people just assume, oh, you never want to go into business with family. But I, I don't think it's a cut and dry thing. It can be a really brilliant and rich uh, experience for the two people that are in it, but also for the business itself. So thanks for that. As you know, we talked about before we started chatting a little bit about uh, Liberty Road and kind of our mission to really get more and more women over 40 to consider their possibilities. And that's why they're listening to your story now. What do you say to perhaps a friend of yours who said, I cannot believe you guys started this at 50 years old. I don't think I've got it in me. Like, what do you say to her? Amy, I'll start with you. Mm. I would say, well, it's never too late. And actually, this is the best time. <laughs> I mean, we, we know who we are. You know, the 40s were incredible. I left my 40s. You know, I really understood myself better. I don't think we have as much ego either, you yeah. know? And, yeah. and I think that uh, don't be afraid of what you don't know and reach out to people. And I think it's really important. You know, one thing that Melissa and I did when we decided to do this, I remember we sat down and it was close to our 50th birthday and we were discussing this business idea. And, you know, once we decided to, to commit, we started to have the conversation and, you know, having that conversation, it really puts it out there and it holds you yeah. accountable for your dream, for your passion, for what you want to do. And there are so many people out there that are willing to help. And so if you keep it inside, then nobody's going to know. Our example is we were working out at our gym and uh, we've seen this woman, a friend of ours from the gym that we'd see every day. And uh, we told her what our idea was. And she was like, ladies, do you know that I'm a pattern maker? You know, I have all this experience from L.A. when I was living out in L.A. And we were like, oh, my God. No. <laughs> so, you know, that yeah. jump started our, our business right there. She's not the pattern maker we're working with today, but that helped. It was like having that conversation in the gym dressing room. Saying it out loud and then also kind of seeing, oh my gosh, when we put this out, things are going to come our way. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's by design. It's going to happen. We, we've been doing a series, a journal series in Instagram where we just ask people every Wednesday to, to pay attention to the journal prompt. And one of them, I think it was last week or the week before, was you know, what are you dreaming about? Sort of what are your goals that you're setting and who are you telling? It's not enough just to write it down in a book. Like, who are you telling that you trust that can sort of help you speak life into that dream or into that goal? And another, another thing yeah. too is, you know, if for people that maybe are not that clear, you know, vision boards are great. Oh, we did so yeah. many vision boards. Yeah. Just to put it out there. Put it out there, right? What is it that you're looking for in your life? Or and and at this point in our lives too, you kind of know what your strengths and weaknesses are, right? Yes. You don't have a lot to lose. I mean, this mm -hmm. is really the time to make things happen and to find out what what do you want your life to be and, yeah. and what's the purpose and what how can you help yourself and help others at the same time? You have so much knowledge and wisdom throughout the decades. And don't sell yourself short. You've, you've got a lot of experience on a personal level and probably on several professional levels. And, sure. you know, if you're unclear of what that passion is, then write down a lot of your strengths and things that you've always been interested in trying or doing that might help jumpstart an idea for you or get together with your girlfriends and just have a brainstorming session and talk about ideas and things that matter to you at this point in our life. Find your true passion. And sometimes those are not-for-profit activities. Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. it could be I want to start a foundation or I want to write a book, which could be for profit. But, um, I, you know, I want to film something. I want to finally take on that musical career or whatever. I think, you know, when you just said, Melissa, we don't have a lot to lose. I agree with that, except we do have something to lose. Like we lose being able to see that thing come to life, which is part of why we're living. Like we lose, mm -hmm. we lose something of ourselves. Um, I think what we're afraid of losing 
is it's the fear of the finances, the time, the resources, mm-hmm. putting ourselves out there, you know, what are people going to say? But that doesn't really compare to the loss of oneself. At the risk of sounding dramatic, I think that's true. I also think you lose whatever you're putting out in the world. Had you two not done what you're doing, we, the consumer group that you're speaking to, would not have this. So it's a loss for us. Right. I'm on my soapbox a little bit, but <laughs> I actually think that, that we kind of owe it to ourselves and we owe it to the people that we're ultimately serving to put that thing out there. You talked about the vision boarding. Was that something that you guys did um, just to see if you're on the same page with the, uh, with the business or was it a way that you sort of dreamed up the business together? Did you already know, hey, we're going to do a clothing company for petites. Let's vision board out kind of what the brand's going to look like and the textures and the colors and things that we wanted to work with. Or did you do the vision board to come up with the idea of the business? You know, it's, that's an interesting, that's a good question. I keep all my vision boards, you know, and yeah. personally I do my personal vision boards, which include career, romance, travel, and yeah health and fitness and things. So I do remember having uh, natural woven fabrics on that vision board. I think that when Melissa and I decided to do this, we talked about the vision. We talked about the brand. We talked about the neutral color palette, the staple pieces, simple designs. I mean, we didn't have a whole lot of knowledge with designs. And so of course we're going to start out simple and we actually like to keep some of them very simple. Um, so we we did work on that, um, but it, it was a very natural process. Mm-hmm. Again, I think that it got to the point based on us being fashion consumers, like we we are twins, we kind of think alike, that sometimes there's not, you don't have to communicate so much <laughs> about it. <laughs> we did both start out doing vision boards early on before having our business. And so it was a natural thing. It was a natural thing to do as we, because we were both seeking that we were both wanting something more, you know, like this isn't the end. No, it's not the beginning. (laughs) beginning. I mean, I know we're looking for what's, what's 60 going to (laughs) be. Right. Right. I mean, it sounds so cliche, I think, but it just happens to be true. Right. It, It really feels like the beginning of something new. And I think, the market is open to that in a way that we haven't seen before as well to to be looking at kind of midlife and beyond with um, with excitement, with anticipation. So I'm going to ask each of you this. What is launching Together Siegel taught you about yourself? Melissa, why don't you start? Well, you know, first off, that we can actually follow through with an idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You did a great job. If we had champagne, we'd be toasting to you now. Yes, you followed through Uh, well. And, you know, coming from a business background, I'm actually more of a creative person Mm. than I thought. And I really do feel like a creative. And that was something that was wonderful to find out. And, And I think just being able to be a part of a community and be able to share, um, you know, our experiences I also feel like we, not from a financial standpoint, we don't want to even go there. I think just feeling the success that we've already had mm. is, has been um, so wonderful. What are you calling success right now? I think it's important for our listeners to hear this. Sure, though. sure. I think of having created a small petite community. Mm-hmm. We really feel like we're part of a petite community that we're able to serve and having repeat customers Mm -hmm. who are coming back over and over, who are telling our story for us. Yeah, they're Um, feeling seen and heard. They're feeling seen and heard, and they're telling our story. They're sharing their happiness of them and their clothes, our clothing, you know, on vacations. And they're just like, oh my gosh, we're so happy. Mm-hmm. To me, that's success. Just being able to have this dream and see it through fruition. I mean, of course, we have a long way to go and we're still sure. learning and growing, but it, 
you know, our seven years isn't up and we're hopefully going beyond that. But I do feel like we are at success right now based on what we've done, what we've built out. We've stayed true to our mission. I mean, we've Mm. had taller women say, we love what you're doing. Is there any way you can make something for us taller women? And not that taller women can't wear some of our dresses beautifully. They can, they really can. But we've stuck to our mission and um, we've helped with this community that we've set out to serve. Yeah. And to see the the repeat customers has been huge for us. And with the collaborations that we've had and building a community within our own fashion industry here in Austin has been mm-hmm. a great success for us as well. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. I just think it's important that people hear the the ways that um business owners entrepreneurs, creatives are calling success. So thanks for sharing that. Okay, Amy, I want to hear your answer to this. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I think learning something new, taking on uh, a new endeavor like this is, it can be frightening. And I think being able to push yourself in these different experiences within the business being on this podcast with you. I mean, every little thing is something that you learn about yourself and you're frightened and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I can't do this. And, but you can, and I can. And I think that's so important, you know, because um, sometimes we think that we can't do something and, and we really can. And I think that's what I've learned most about being in this business. I love collaborating and being with people and, and community makes me happy, right? So now here I have this, beautiful petite community. We have community within the fashion industry, within women-owned businesses community and everything. So um, you really are able to give yourself and to give others so much if you put yourself out there, even though mm. you're a little afraid. Sure. And that's success in itself. To yeah. Just be yeah. Even if through. you fail, even if they <laughs> yeah. come out, even if our production run came <laughs> out and that was way too small to fit people, well, you know, it's okay. We learned like Let's just pick up and keep going. I love that. Thank you guys for sharing that. Again, I think for our listeners, it's important to hear other people's stories so that they can sort of hear themselves in it. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of us um, feel the the fear part. And you guys have spoken to that about putting ourselves out there. So thanks for that. Of course, you're not off the hook yet. We've got to get through our fast five. What's a favorite hack or practice that you do that you think uh, women over 40 should know about? Hit the mat every morning, first thing. 10 minutes. That's it. 10 minutes. That's a good one. We got to stretch our bodies. We're getting older. We need to stretch. (laughs) Another one would be take up swimming because that's something we can do forever in life, right? Yes, that's forever. All right, Melissa, a hack or practice? I hit the trail. We're so fortunate to have Town Lake right in our neighborhood. Uh Uh Um, And I hit the trail every morning and run. And it keeps me balanced and focused and I can set good intentions for the day. It's my meditation running. Yeah. And I think health and fitness is such a priority for us. And I would say it it really should be something that is a priority. Right. Yeah. And so we can schedule other things around that. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was for me, if it were for no one else. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite uh, together Siegel piece, each of you? So I, the alley pant, so I'm okay. wearing the alley pant right Can now. Can we see? So, oh, cute. So mid-rise, zipper in the back. They're made out of a hemp organic cotton denim blend. It's a beautiful, Ooh. beautiful, lightweight. Feels. And you're wearing the Hannah top. And I'm wearing the Hannah top. Um, this is our linen button-up <laughs> button. shirt, which is, I have to say that we did a great job. Yes, very. Perfecting this for petite women. Okay. But the alley pant I'm living in. And we just went back into production okay. with it. So because we sold out. So everybody's going to be able to go to TogetherSiegel.com and look at the alley pant. Alley pant. And Melissa, favorite product that you guys have? Okay. So I have been living in the Andy dress. It's our captain style dress. So easy to wear. I took it on vacations in the summer and 
It's just become a favorite. When we first came out with it, it wasn't one I wore over and over. And so it's so funny how we come go through yeah. different phases of sure. what's our favorite and what we're wearing the most of. But I would say um, the Andy dress. And I'm wearing a new design right now that is coming out soon. Is it a top or a dress? No, it's actually a dress. it's a dress. And it's got some little pleating and Ooh, pockets. And it's got fun. this really Mandra. cool neck line where you can unbutton. Yeah. And open it Super up. Super cute. So it's oh, just that's something. really cute. Yeah. yeah. And it goes to the knee. This is called the Anna dress, but it's not available yet. Okay. We're both excited about that. But thank you for sharing uh, those mm-hmm. with us. And by the way, just in looking at them, you can make them your own. What's so nice about these pieces is you can add jewelry, accessories, mm-hmm. you, you know, scarves, whatever, and you can dress them up a million ways. Okay, a favorite book that you might recommend uh, for anyone who's launching a business? Doesn't have to be a business book. Yeah, I'm in a book club, so I love reading (laughs) lots of books. But one of the ones I really enjoyed reading was Norma Kamali's uh, I Am Invincible. Yeah. So her story's amazing. You know, I mean, she had a business partner that didn't really work out so well, but she kept going and she's all about... Uh, aging gracefully. Yes. And I just loved it, loved it. And then one thing, one book that I'm actually looking forward to reading, it was in the New York Times, was Claire uh, McDardle's. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's a new edition of What Shall I Wear? Um, oh. So that's coming out. Like, it's kind of hard to get right now because I think it was in the New York Times and everybody else wants to read it. Okay. And she was all about capsule wardrobe way back in the 1950s. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Talking about being ahead of your time. Those are great recommendations. We'll have to add those to our book lists. Okay. And Melissa. And I would say those as well, but I love podcasts. And we really started early on listening to how I built this from the Spanx one to, yeah. you know, Eileen Fisher, Fisher, who's our role model. I <laughs> yeah. really love her. And um, awesome. even uh, Norma Kamali. Yep. We were listening to those over and over right. from the very beginning. So would highly recommend those. Yeah. And by the way, now you're on the other end, right? Now people are going <laughs> to get to hear your story and be inspired and how you did it and kind of the, the difficult early moments of not sleeping and know that that's just a part of it. That's just mm-hmm. part of what people can expect. So that's very cool that this is a full circle moment for you guys. Yes. And then if you were mentoring your younger self, what would you, and each of you answer this, what would you want to let her know about midlife? Not to be afraid of what you don't know, you know, be curious, ask questions, you know, spend time by yourself, Mm -hmm. Um, listen to your gut, right? You know, we all get pulled in different directions when we're in our 20s and 30s. And um, so to be able to take that time, you know, my friends always joked because I always was saying, I need Amy time, I'm going (laughs) to have my Amy time. (laughs) And, you know, I didn't get married. I didn't have kids. Yeah. I'm now married, but I married later in life. And it was very important for me to be able to have that me time. And I think that's important. And I was able to create a great life and a career around my lifestyle. Yes, we all could have heard that um, (laughs) back then. Don't feel like you always have to be at the party. No, no. The parties are kind of suck sometimes anyway. (laughs) Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Okay, Melissa, what what about you? I, I would say to learn work-life balance earlier on, Mm. you know, to try to have that balance and just moderation and everything. We've always had good girlfriends, but I feel like it is so important to invest and put your family and your friends, your close friends, make it a priority. And don't lose sight of that. You know, when you're at a point where you're just going and going and going, just remember your people that are important to you and close to you and, and keep that going because, as you get older, it becomes so much more important. Yeah. And it, to have that kind of support throughout your life um, is key. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people can feel isolated at this time in their life because perhaps they haven't invested in those early on. Right. Or they invested in those relationships that were relative to their kids, like the other sports moms or the other school moms or Mm -hmm. the people at work. And all of a sudden life is shifting and they're like, I don't really want to hang out with people from work or the, you know, the soccer moms that I made. So yes, to really be intentional about that, I think is super important. You mentioned earlier what starting together Siegel taught you about yourself, but how has launching this venture liberated you? 
I think by sharing our story, doing Mm. what we're doing right now, being able to help other people that are starting out where we were three years ago, you know, that's been very liberating, you know, of course, being able to communicate with our customers and be able to be in this new community. Like I said, community is so important and to be able to have that and to listen to, to our customers and what they're wanting and, and to always, you know, remain humble, uh, humble <laughs> and curious. Yeah. At the same time. And how about you, Melissa? I agree with that. I think it's been liberating for one to not feel like one, we have to go and work for somebody else. To be honest, Mm. it's really liberating to be in control as much as you can of your own destiny and your life and what you're wanting. But it's also about sharing and, and sharing what we've learned along the way. And we're you know, I'm just so grateful. We're just so grateful yeah. right now for for being able to get to this point in our life and, and start something new. And to, to imagine what your life could be, just like you say, it's like, mm-hmm. can you imagine your life in, in midlife? What does that look like? We're living it. Yeah. And to be able to lead at this point in your life, you know, be the leader, be a part of communities that can help each other out and lift each other up. And that's sure. what's so important. And uniting in in a common cause. Yeah, it's interesting to think that we ever, that that we thought that this was a season that perhaps we couldn't lead when we have more resources, we have more experience, we have hopefully more wisdom than any (laughs) other time in life. Like this is exactly when we should be leading. And thank you both for leading the way in your industry and the work that you're doing for sharing your story and helping us to consider our possibilities and think about what's next for us in midlife and and after. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for for having having us. us. Oh, of course. Of course. Wow. As (laughs) twins would do in unison. And Liberty listeners, thank you guys for hanging out with Amy and Melissa. As always, we wouldn't be here without you guys. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks so much. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flowers.